hymnals. Thank God I am free. Thursday late afternoon and uh, went to see Emily in Texas for three weeks and then uh, Nancy, my mother-in-law, for three weeks in Michigan. And both places were very different, both places were very nice. Texas is very hot. The heat index was in 115, something like that. And then in Michigan it was kind of hot too. And then, um, so we had a good time in both places. It was a long trip. It's always a long trip for me, but it's kind of a good, necessary thing to do that, and uh, so we're glad to be back home, and uh, where it's not so hot, but it is kind of hot, but it's not so hot. Um, we passed on some things that we uh, learned and things we saw and did while we were there, and so we're anxious to get back in the saddle and anxious to begin our routine. We already started that already, but um, yeah, so... I welcome myself back, and I welcome Miranda back, and we welcome uh, Brother Huntley from the Marine Corps back there, picked him up this morning, friend of Jim Hart, and so, um, yeah, uh, let's see, okay, I can see that the desserts are back in place, the donuts and things, that's really good, not every church had this, you know, so it's a spiritual thing if you have those things, all right. Um, appreciate those who preached and taught in the meantime, and so I'm glad to be back and teaching it on Sunday. Uh, let's go to Psalm chapter 14. Psalm chapter 14. I think I'll be teaching a series on Exodus in August. I think so. And so Exodus is a long book. I'll try to give some highlights for the month of August, and then uh, see how it goes from there. Maybe I'll continue afterwards, I'm not sure, but there's a lot of information, a lot of things to learn from Exodus, so I hope to get into that next Sunday morning. All right, Psalm chapter 14, Psalm chapter 14. There are some birthdays coming up in August, and it's on your email bulletin mailing list. If you don't have that, please check with Miranda. We'll be sure to get that to you. Psalm chapter 14. All right, let's pray first. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be in church today. Thank you for getting us home safely. Thank you for our faithful folks. We pray now for you to bless the Sunday School lesson and bless the kids in the other classroom. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be here. Thank you for the freedom that we have as Americans. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm chapter 14. You know this psalm likely because of verse number one. Likely you are familiar with the psalm because of verse number one. Psalm chapter 14, verse number one, is a famous psalm because of verse number one. But there are some things about this psalm and some questions that I have in my head because I read this psalm and I have some questions. Maybe you have some questions too. 
But Psalm chapter 14, verse number one says this, the fool hath sin in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Not a very positive outlook about man. But look at verse number four. Ouch. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call up not upon the Lord. There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. I'll stop there because I want to focus my attention on the first uh, four verses. But the fool hath said, verse number one, there is no God. Now, did you know, and of course, how would you know unless you deliberately look for it, but did you know that 2.3% of the world's population say that they are atheists 2.3% uh, well that's kind of a lot of people considering the population of the world now uh, 12% 12% describe themselves as non-theist meaning they don't believe in a God so that's a big population of people in the world that say that they don't believe in a God that there is no God and a lot of people more than 2.3% say that they are non-theist. We don't believe in a God too. We don't think that there's a God. Now I'm I'm wondering, what are the causes for people thinking like that? Have you ever wondered why things are when you read about something? Why this happened? Why this is so? Why do they think this way? Have you ever thought why people are atheists? Let me see what you think. Why do you think people are atheists? Or why do you think people don't think that there is a God? Maybe some of your answers are going to be what I'm going to tell about today. But why are some people of the persuasion that there cannot be a God, or there is no God, or nah? Why do they say, I don't believe that there is a God? Give me some feedback here. Why do people say that there is no God? Anybody got anything to say about Any ideas? Miranda? It could be that somebody was praying for God to do something for them and he didn't answer like they wanted. So they become bitter and decided that God doesn't exist because he didn't answer their prayer. Okay. That is a, that is a, I don't want to say reasonable, but that is a, reason why people say there is no God. I was desperate. I asked God for help. My child went to ER. My child had a fever. And uh, we're about to have a divorce. We're about to lose our business. And I prayed to God. I got on my knees and I prayed all night long. And I really believed that God's going to help us. But he didn't do anything. Therefore, there must not be a God. That's one reason. Is there another reason why people say that there is no God? This would be under the category of uh, unfulfilled expectations uh, and then you become angry you become bitter and you become very disillusioned in your mind and so there must not be God it's almost like saying if there is a God I want him to prove it to me by sending a bottle of lightning and destroy that oak tree right now well he didn't do it therefore there is no God but those are some ways people think is there another one Nathan Christians that they have known were either hypocritical or couldn't give a good, good, good reasons for why we believe in God. Okay, how about this one? Unchristian Christians. Christians who say that they are Christians but they don't live like it and people notice that and people watch them and they use that age word, they're just hypocrites, meaning they say that they believe in God, but really they don't believe in God because the way they live doesn't show that they believe in God. So they say, ah, there must not be a God. Mm, okay, what's another one that is a possibility as to why people become atheistic? Not 
people just don't want to believe. Right. Just like when the Lord was walking among people and people didn't believe him. Okay. They don't want to. So these are some really good reasons, not good reasons, but ways to understand why people come to a conclusion there is no God anymore before I tell you what I think. Okay, how about this one? Bad influences. Uh, this would be I'll say first of all education there is no God because of the influence of education you know that most kids when they're young and when they grow up in a Christian home or in a home normally they have basic questions that all kids ask when they're growing up mommy where'd that come from meaning the moon or mommy where'd that come from meaning the sun this is the moon so by day or by night kids have a curiosity they ask questions like that and if the parents are moral they might say well we, we think God made that but we're not sure if it's a Christian home they'll say well why Johnny God put that in the sky or Johnny God gave us the sun God did that see so there's influence there but the kid grows up and goes to school and then they intermingle with other kids that are not Christian they go into junior high school, high school, and then they hit other people that have background of non, not Christian environment. And then they go, uh, they go to classes, they go to biology class, they go to science class, and the teachers are not Christians, so they're gonna teach an evolutionary viewpoint about how things are. Then you go off to college and you learn some things in a more sophisticated way. And of course, professors are always right. Teachers are always right. You're just a lowly student. You're going to soak in all that they tell you. And therefore, the influence of bad education can cause someone to lose their faith in God. Atheistic education. Uh, sometimes people who grew up in a Christian home even, they could be taught out of their, quote, religion. They could be taught out of their faith or belief in God. So sometimes adults are atheistic Though they were raised in a Christian home because they were convinced contrary to what they've been taught in church by their parents. That can happen. Um, yeah, the longer you live, the more you realize it happens more than you like to know. That people are talked out of their faith in God and they become agnostic, atheistic. They've turned their back from, from church, from the Bible, and they've gone a totally different direction. Oh, bad influence by educators and uh, is very persuasive. Now, for example, have you ever seen the graph, the, uh, the, the drawing of caveman, monkey caveman, and then he's, he begins to gradually come up like this. And then he's a professor with a PhD. The sequence of 10 pictures, this chimpanzee, this gorilla, this monkey, whatever. Now he's a well, upright homo sapien. Homo erectus, walking now upright. He's now bipedal, whereas he's to swing by his tail in the tree. And that is a, a nice drawing of the evolutionary process. And kids, students, even in universities and colleges, they look at that, they say, oh yeah, that must be true. The textbook says so, therefore it must be true. And when I was a kid growing up, pictures of, uh, by Charles R. Knight. Oh, Charles R. Knight. If you go into the of Britannica, go into the Museum of Natural History of Washington, D.C., you find a big painting of his of a brontosaurus, and a, tyrannos, a brontosaurus and a T-Rex. No, I'm sorry, it's a triceratops and a T-Rex. They're confronting each other. And the T-Rex the is coming from this direction, and the painting is so, so good. And the, and the triceratop, triceratop three horn. Do you not know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Triceratops, okay? Has a little cover like that. It's got a horn here and a horn here. Looks like that, looks like that. 
Okay? And, and, the, and the, I don't think he has a little, like a styracosaurus uh, spikes over here, but uh, this is this is the uh, Triceratops, one, two, three horns, okay? And uh, he's going to get the T-Rex. You ever look at the T-Rex? Oh, it's got huge legs, huge drumsticks, and it's got little pathetic little arms like this. Isn't that kind of funny how he, he is, it was? What, what were these little things? I mean, he kills a prey, he could, and he chomps the thing, and then what can he do with his little arms? Not much. But anyway, that painting by Charles R. Knight is so awesome. The atmosphere is hazy. It's like it's a prehistoric thing. There's volcanoes in the background. It's got ash in the air. It is so awesome, that painting. Yes, look at that painting. If you don't like art, you'll like art after you see Charles R. Knight's painting of that. And it's got one of Brontosaurus. They're, they're in the water and they're eating stuff. And there's many in the background and it's so hazy. There's atmosphere. It is like you're there. And then there's another painter named Zinzerman. He has more contrast to his dinosaurs, and so they stand up more and they look more realistic. Um, so when you see those paintings, you say, it must be true. You go down to the museum in DC, wow, and you see a life-size skeleton of a brontosaurus. You say, oh man, and you're convinced that evolution is true. So, Kids go there, oh, and they're amazed at how the painting and the graphics, and then you see, you see videos on, on, uh, on, the, on the TV, and you, you see these people talking about the, the strata, the geological layers, and you see, and they try to explain that all this happened millions and millions of years ago, and now this bird, used to, it, it'll turn into a fish, fish bird, whatever, and you say, it must be true. I don't understand it, but it must be true because it says so in print. Mm -hmm. And the painting shows it. And the graph shows it. And the art is so good. It must be true. And I think that's another reason how people are convinced that there is no God. Mm -hmm. They're taught, they're persuaded that there is no God. So the graphics, the videos, and the personalities. Uh, when what's his name? The famous entertaining atheist, evolutionist. Uh, who debated Ken Ham. What's his name? Bill Nye. Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, we used to like watching the program when our kids were kids because he was a good teacher. So the teaching techniques were captivating, but when he throws in the evolutionary part, it was like, eh, did you have to say that? So those little, those little pieces of input about evolution, it, it sticks to a kid's brain. And so it's all influential. Um, well, that's, I think, some reasons as to why people become atheistic in their thinking. All right? Look at verse number one again. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Okay. Well, it's not okay. Look at verse number two. The Lord looked down from heaven unto the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Now, in verse number two, the Lord looked down from heaven. You get this idea in your mind when you read that. The Lord's on a on a pedestal, on a on a raised chair, like a judge in a courtroom, his bench. And the Lord looked down from his bench upon the children of men, and he sees this. He sees, first of all, the fool says there is no God in his heart. He also sees that the children of men, they are uh, they're foolish, they're fools, and they don't understand and they don't see God. In verse number three, they are all gone aside, they are all together become filthy, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. He calls them workers of iniquity. So from God's viewpoint, he looks down upon men who think that there is no God, the God who is in existence says that they don't think I exist, they are foolish. Now, why do they, why does God say that they are foolish? Why does he say they are fools? Why does God say that they are fools to say that he doesn't exist, that there is no God? Why does he say they are corrupt? Why does he say none have done good? Why does he say that? Well, have you considered the reasons why 
a person comes to the conclusion that there is a God, if there are reasons why people don't believe in God, there are reasons why people should believe in God. And that would be evidence. Now, it's not my intent to give you evidences of the creation or that there is a God because Ken Ham has already done the job for you. Go to his answers in Genesis. You find all kinds of extra material to show that there is proof that there is a God. But God says, I think that man is a fool who don't believe in him because he is laid out for everyone to see that he is the God. So with, 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 with giving all these things for man to see by day and by night, Yet he still says there is no God. God says, I, I, I can't believe. God says, I can't believe. I can't believe that you don't believe in me after what I've proved to you, that I, all the things I've shown to you, that I exist. It's kind of, that's why God says, the fool has said, you are foolish to say that there is no God after all the evidence I've given to you to show that there is a God. Now, while we're up in Michigan, we always like to go there because it's the time of the year in the summer where they cut down the hay and then they roll it up into bales, big bales, looks like this. It looks like this. Looks like that. Doesn't look like that. You folks live in the main from the main looks like bales of hay. Okay? And they are everywhere. And one morning we're driving down somewhere and we say, look, this side, maybe there's 45 bales of hay spread out. On this side, I don't know how many in this big open field. One day, no bales of hay. Next day, bales of hay. It's really interesting. Now you have to think. Use the, the thing that's under your skull, under your hair, okay? It's called a brain. When you see that, you say to yourself, wow, the farmer must have done that. Then your brain goes to think a little bit further. Wow, he must have used some kind of equipment to pick it up, Roll it up, tie it up, and throw it down. Sounds like wrestling, yeah? <laughs> throw it down. And they're all and then he'll come later on and then they will pick it up by some machine and carry it across the street and then it gets wrapped up in some kind of plastic. And there are rows and rows and rows of bales of hay all wrapped up so that the animals, the cattle, and the horses and the cows and whatever gets to eat that during the fall and winter. And you look at that, you say to yourself, how amazing is it to have the farm equipment? How amazing is it for the cycles of life to have things planted and grown in the summertime and then it gets harvested and it's preserved for animals to have in the wintertime when nothing grows? There's sequence, there's order, there is a brain behind all of this. And I think God is saying, uh, that's why I say you're a fool to not believe in me because I've given you so much evidence that there is order. There's order. The design, the tractor, the equipment, uh, it's, I don't even know what they're called, except that's a tractor pulling this piece of equipment and it does this when it pulls the lever and it does, it does that when he does that. It's amazing. Oh boy, I scratch my head and I'm thinking, who thought of that? And then they plant corn. You know corn grows really fast. One day, nothing there in the field. Next day, there's something coming up that, that high. Next day, it's that high. Next day, it's three feet tall. It grows really fast. And pretty soon, in a week or two, the green giant's here. <laughs> it's like amazing how things grow so fast. And all of it has, all of it has a pattern and a reason for it. And God has given all kinds of evidences in life and in nature to show that there is a creator of some kind. There is intelligence, there is there's intelligence, there is a mind. There's somebody very smart to have figured out all these things and to put things in motion. It's amazing. Did you see this bird? It's like a the Chinese use it to catch fish. They tie a string around its neck, don't choke it, but they tie a string tight just enough so that they don't swallow fish. Here's what the bird does. This bird, I forget the name, but it's like, a, it's got a beak, it's got a little neck, and it's got a body like a duck, but this thing attacks fish, and it'll dive, it'll grab a fish, it'll do this, it'll, it'll pick it up and go, and then swallow it down. And not only that, they can swallow three or four fish in its belly. 
That's amazing how it evolved that way. <laughs> and all kinds of things in nature, it reminds you that there is reason, design, intelligence behind all of it. Even trees, the fall season, and everything else that goes along. Everything has reason behind its design. But the Fu says, nah, evolutionary process. And so I think that's why God from his throne, from his bench says, you are a fool to not believe in me. After all the evidence I've given to you. My mother likes to play Scrabble. I don't like to play Scrabble. I'll play Scrabble for her, and I learned to like Scrabble. And so we play Scrabble three or four times. And then uh, I noticed that the Scrabble pieces are all cut the same size out of wood. It's got letters. It's got a little number next to each one, point value. Then there's a little tray that you put it on. Then there's a little big board with all the things you can start over here. And you, and you take turns and try to fill up those words. Now that simple little game, which is kind of like a good brain game, um, it's made in such a way that there's order to it. You can't, you must do certain things by rules. But each little piece cut by some machine in some factory and stamped by some machine in some factory, all of that tells me this didn't just happen. This game, this simple little game didn't just happen. Somebody manufactured this game, built from a blueprint, somebody's idea came to fruition. This thing is sold. And another, another thing that proved that there was a God, it's Legos. <laughs> Legos proved there was a God. Because Lego pieces are so awesomely fit together, matching, and you can make all kinds of things with Lego pieces. Uh, moving parts, you can make all kinds. Lego, boy. You know, it is amazing how we can say it happened one day. This one day, it happened, a box of Legos. No, no, and you can carry it out so far and you can see how ridiculous it is to say that there is no manufacture of Legos. Oh boy, the simplest of things that we use in life, made by some factory, designed by some people that we can use. Well, all I'm saying here is that I think God is offended. You talk about being offended. God's offended so much so he says, you people are fools to not believe in me because of all the evidence I've given you to believe in me. You're a fool. Now, don't, don't think that it's harsh for God to say you are a fool because after all, does God not have a right to say to people, you are foolish? We would not want to say someone is a fool or foolish because we're kind of, oh, they might get upset and punch us out. That is a possibility. People today nowadays are very violent. They respond, they react out of emotion. They're just going to show you that you're the boss. They're the boss. And they're going to knock you down because you said, hey, that's wrong. They'll come up to you and jaw with you and say, well, who do you think you're telling me that I'm wrong? And then, now you can't even stop people from stealing things in the stores. They'll knock you down. I saw that Home Depot, Evil Eye got robbed. Two guys went in with wagons and loaded up with Makita tools to the top and they went outside. Now later on, next day or two, police made an arrest. I, I don't know, but that's, I hope that happened. But they went in with little uh, handkerchiefs around the face, two local guys, they went in and they walked right out like that, as if they had a right to those tools. And then the people at the register, oh, what's going on? Hey, you didn't, I didn't hear the audio, but uh, they probably were told, don't stop anyone stealing for your own safety. And the thieves are saying, we're going to steal because they're not going to stop us for their safety. You try to stop someone from stealing, I have seen on video clips, people getting violent as if they have a right to steal things without paying for it. You just do it. So you want to be careful about calling someone a fool and saying, hey, you are a crook. <laughs> uh, There's a guy who punched a guy, no he didn't, a celebrity, a male actor, was mistaken in a coffee shop to be another actor. On Monday, I'll say Monday, and it wasn't him. It was a lookalike. Next day, he came back with two, I'll say, four-four ounce cups of foam cups of water. He walked in and he threw it at the guy who misidentified him. He said, "Don't you ever call me that guy again. My name is so and so. You better call me this name. My my right name." People are like that. They're crazy. They have to prove that they are important. Well, 
If you say you are a fool, they might react like that to you. So be careful. Don't call someone fool to their face. Sit behind your back. <laughs> well, since you asked me, I thought I'd tell you that. All right, so the Lord looked up from heaven and says that they are fools, and he has the right to do that because he knows. And look who he blames. Look who God blames as to why they call, why he calls them fools, as to why they are atheists. Look at who he blames. Verse number one, the fool has said in his heart. In his heart. There may be factors as to why a person is an atheist, but in the end, God says, it's your own heart. It's your heart. You are a fool in your heart. Whatever the influences are, influence of uh, uh, teachers or bad Christians or hypocrites or your prayers, whatever, whatever the reasons you say are legitimate in your mind, for you not to believe me, he says, in the end, I hold you accountable for what you believe. And you are in your own heart the cause. You're the problem. Now, it is true that you can be influenced by people and by bad education, but ultimately you have to choose to believe something or not. No one can force you to believe anything unless you are in a concentration camp or in that kind of a setting where you're forced to. But generally speaking, you have to choose what you want to believe. Whatever things come your way, whatever things you hear and see, you have to decide if this is legitimate or not. You have to make effort to discover if this is true or not. There's a, there's a YouTube video by, uh, about Kenneth Hagin. He's now, he's now dead, but he's from o Tulsa, Oklahoma, I think. And he had a healing ministry and a prosperity ministry for about 50, 60 years. Kenneth Hagin is called, what's called Daddy Hagin because he's the almost founder of the positive confession movement in modern times. Kenneth Hagin. Well, Kenneth Hagin, who believed in just think positively, you get what you think about, just confess things and you get what you confess. Just say your money is in, money's in your pocket, it's there. Just say to your checkbook, you're full of money and it's there, that kind of thing. Well, you know, Kenneth Hagin, who also said that you are healthy if you just think that you're healthy. Well, Kenneth Hagin, as she got older, began to gain weight. And as she began to gain weight, he began to have health problems. And not only that, as she grew older, he began to have poor eyesight, so he had to wear glasses. Now think about the the, the bizarreness of what I'm telling you. A positive confession preacher or teacher telling everyone just have faith in God and you be healthy and you be wealthy. While he himself has a personal physician or had one, he had to have glasses, he had to adjust his prescriptions, he had to have a personal physician to help him through his ailments, and he's telling people just think positively and everything is great well that is a foolish man it's not wrong to say that because it is the fact what you see is not always true and the youtube clip i was referring to is about them laughing and jumping up and down and he's he's going around this large 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 church and uh, they're all falling on the floor running around like it's a like it's a football game or something and they're jumping up and down and they're falling on the ground and people are catching them and he is he's slapping people in the head and they're falling backwards and he's saying Shh. he's going around saying Shh. walking around Shh. Shh. and people are falling in laughter that is they say a move of the holy spirit you know god says from heaven from his bench that's foolish yeah. you're foolish to believe that and so you don't have to believe that you can say what does the bible say about these things and that's my point what does the bible say about some of these things you don't have to believe what you see. Um, at one place, I don't remember where, I walked out to the hotel up to pay for my bill or to check out, and I saw a guy coming off the elevator. It was a well-known prosperity teacher like Kenneth Hagin. It was Rodney Howard Brown. Rodney Howard Brown is from South Africa, and he was the one who brought to America the Laughing Revival. The Laughing Revival, where a mark that the Holy Spirit is with you and in you is that you laugh uncontrollably. And then that was embellished by others to bark like animals and act like animals, to actually crawl on the floor like animals in church. And that was the manifestation of the, a new work of the Holy Spirit. So Rodney Hart Brown says, laughing from your belly. You begin by saying, ho, 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 ha, ha, ha. There you go, there you go. Just keep sitting from your belly, from your innermost being, ho, 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 ha, 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 
And you keep doing that until you get it. That's a move of the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to believe that. Just because it's thrown in your face. You don't have to believe that. You have to choose. And so God says, when it comes to not believing in Him, it's a choice. It's a matter of your heart. Now, your mind is affected by this, by what you think and what you understand to be true or not. But it's your choice. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So God lays it on them, on people. Now, look at verse number... Uh, verse number verse number three about these who don't believe in him verse number three they are all gone aside they are all together become filthy there's none that doeth good now you have these words in verses two and three about an atheist what he does with his life now do you realize that when an atheist does certain things with his life and toward other people he has no he has no guilt about what he does because what he does is just in line with what he is. Filth. The word filth, filthy gets my attention in verse number three. They're gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. Filthy. Uh, verse number two. To see if there were any that didn't understand and seek God. Well, God, remember, God gave a lot of reasons for them to seek him. God has given a lot of evidence to, to tease them, almost like, a crumb here, a crumb there, that the bird follows to get to the trap. But God did not set crumbs down for, to trap people, but to give them more enlightenment, to give them more revelation, more illumination, to see that there is a God. So he gives these things. And, and could they understand? Yes, but they refused to understand by choice. They didn't want to. You know the old saying, um, you can uh, lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Uh, the kids say, you can lead a horse to water, dot, 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 but how? <laughs> That's how a kid thinks about things. But the idea is that you can give everything. You look, you can give a, you can have a plate lunch. You have a plate lunch. A plate lunch of your favorite, whatever your favorite plate lunch is. What is your favorite plate lunch? Francis? Rice and, don't tell me fish. Poke. Poke. <laughs> your favorite, your favorite laid out for you. And you're starving. And you love poke. And you say, here, look. Joseph, here's poke. But for some reason, Joseph says, no, I don't want that. I thought you were hungry. I am. I'm starving. Here, here. It's, it's yours. It's free. Here. I got one for me. I got one for you. And you say, oh, I don't want one. Why don't you want one? I don't know. What a bad answer. I don't know. Here. Eat it. It's yours. It's free. Look at you. Here. You need to eat. Here. I don't want to eat it. Well, it's not that it's not available to him. It's available to him. He sees it. It's offered to him. He just, for whatever reason, doesn't choose to receive it. And there is a lot of evidence for people to have understanding and knowledge of God, but they refuse to get it. As a matter of fact, let me let me let me correct myself by saying this: There's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of evidence that's evident, plain, right in your face. And the 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 man, the people, the nature man, they see it, but they refuse it. They have it, and here's what Romans chapter 1 says. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Here's Romans chapter 1, the commentary on Psalm chapter 14. Romans chapter 1 gives us insight to tell us, okay, we understand now that it's the heart of man that is the problem. It's not the other influences. It's not bad education. It's not the hypocrites. 118. It's not a lack of understanding. It's not a lack of knowledge. Verse number 18. Romans 1, verse number 18. Now this verse tells us that Anakis has the truth. He's not ignorant of the truth. 118. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Our soul. So they have the truth, they see the evidence, but they refuse. They refuse to do what the truth requires. So somebody said this about people who don't want to believe in God. It's because they are confronted by their sin and they don't want to be confronted by their sin. Or because they have bad lives, they're immoral. Therefore, they don't want to face up to their to the mirror. And therefore, they reject, they avoid, they detest even. And they turn away from what the mirror says, the truth. Right. But they have the truth. They're not ignorant of the truth. 
that's the thing to understand. Well, let's move on here. So in verse number uh, three, 14, three, they're going aside. They're all together become filthy. That's the thing I want to say for the next couple of minutes, filthy. Do you realize that people who don't have a belief in God or a faith in God, whatever they do, they justify it. Whatever wrong that they do, they justify it. However immoral they are, they justify it. Because after all, if there is no God, there is no accountability. If there is no God, who are you accountable to? Who should you apologize to if there is no God? Uh, who should repent to if there is no God? Well, you don't have to repent if you don't believe in a God. You can do as you please if there is no God. Because why, why restrict myself from my own pleasures and why not get everything I want and anything that I want at whatever expense to get what I want? Because after all, the most important person to me is me. And I don't have to please anybody, let alone a God that I cannot see, which would be another reason why the people say there's a God because you can't see God. But, but, I want to emphasize, these are some, these are some things about um, why people who don't believe in God, they do filthy things. To them, it's not filthy. To them, it's, that's just the way it is. Now, the way to understand verse number three about they become filthy is to watch Westerns. You know, Westerns teach a lot of lessons morally. Now you say, well, I don't believe, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not going there, I'm just saying, the Old West is not, the Old West is not today. It's not, uh, we're gonna cancel you because we don't like you. The Old West was, if you don't have a gun, don't know how to shoot a gun, you're gonna die. At the hands of them Indians. Now they call them Native Americans. Uh, the Redskins? You die by the Indians or you die by bad people. There are so many scenes in Westerns, uh, black and white kind of Westerns. Okay, black and white ones are, they teach a lot of things actually. And you're gonna have to give kids some under, some guidance about that, but there's a lot of shooting in, in uh, Western, the old Western. You know who I like to see in Westerns? I like to see the good guy get rid of the bad guy. There are so many scenes out West where people settle into a piece of property and a mother's there, she's hanging her laundry, she's got an apron on, and her kids are playing, and there's a horse tied over here, and there's a well over here, and there's a porch over here, and some bad guys come there. There's a little corral with three or four horses that they have raised, and the husband's away hunting, or he's away doing some kind of business for the family, and she's by herself. She's got a 10-year-old boy and a six-year-old sister and all that, and uh, they're pretty much helpless, unless they have something to defend themselves. And it's not the government. It's a shotgun, it's a rifle, it's a 45 caliber six shooter. And if they don't know how to use it, someone's gonna come in and take something from them because they can, because they have the upper hand, they have the, the guns, and they have the meanness. And there are so many programs where, they, it's not very graphic actually, but you see people getting shot, you know, they, they fall, and it's all make-believe of course, but it's portraying what it was like. And there's, there's so many where, where people, you say, good, 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 get them. You feel righteously justified that the good people, the woman says, get off my porch or I'll shoot you. Now there's a true story here. It's from a book that I've read. It's called, it's called, um, it's, it's called, it's about preachers who followed. Bible in pocket, gun in hand. Bible in, Bible in pocket, gun in hand. That's a good story right, line right there. Bible in pocket, Gun in hand. I need my Bible, I need my gun. <laughs> There's a story in that book I'll never forget. It's about a, a port scene, a woman by herself. Her husband gone to uh, sell some cattle, two weeks gone, and he tells his wife this, and he tells his son this. This is a wife and a son, mother and son, 10 year old boy. The boy has been taught how to use guns for food and for protection. He tells his wife, honey, I'll be gone for two weeks, and I'll be back, God willing. But while I'm gone, if any Indians come by, if any Indians come by, asking for water, asking for food, asking for something, tell them no. You say, well, that's un-American. You are affected by the culture. 
That's not nice. You are a snowflake. Tell them no. And you get the shotgun and you hold that shotgun like this and you tell them no. And he says, you let them Indians know you're not gonna stand for anything. He says, they understand what a gun means. You show the gun, if they ever come, ask him, show them no favor, be firm. Bye-bye, see you later. Off he goes, maybe six or seven days later, along comes two Indians on horseback. They come to the property, they slow down, they observe, they evaluate the situation. They see the mother coming out doing the laundry. They see the boy playing. They think to themselves, it's just a woman and her kid. Easy. So they, they, they trot down to the front, maybe from here to the wall where Stan is, and they say, I guess they speak English, we want water. Or I think they said, give us water. Not an ask, it's a demand, give us water. And she, she's on the porch like her husband says, and she says, no. Go away. They look at each other. The boy has got his rifle. He's on the porch, a 10-year-old boy. And the mother has a shotgun right over here. Trigger, finger in the chair. And she says, no, go away. They look at each other. You know what they say? They say nothing. They, they just go, and they went away. If she had showed weakness, which would be showing compassion, they have not only gotten water, they would have gotten anything else they want to get. Now, that is to explain that people without God are filthy. They do all kinds of evil things to people without thought, without a second thought. There are so many productions in Hollywood that are full of uh, deadly violence, and they make the program, wow. But you know that reflects to me, that shows to me that people who have no consciousness toward God or belief in God, they're immoral. They will take anything from you. They will rob, kill, steal. I mean, they'll steal your Amazon boxes off your porch without thought. Yes, they will. They'll cut your kettle, convert off your car without thought in less than five minutes because they can. You say, why do people do these kind of things? Well, if there's no God in your life, why wouldn't you? But, but, let me just end on a good note, a positive note. If a person does believe in God, do you think these verses are true for him? Are these verses true for a man who believes in God? There is none that they have done abominable works. No. You know who does good works? Christians. Christians. There is none that do good. I, I, I beg to differ. I would say, no, Christians are do-gooders. Who builds hospitals? People who have a faith in God. Now, who, who is benevolent? People of a faith in God. Who is serving? Who is gracious? Who is kind? Who helps? Uh, the children of man, any that understood and seek God? Well, God, God, people seek God. We don't go aside, verse 3. We're not filthy. As a matter of fact, I think this. I think, literally, that if a person does believe in God, he literally is cleaner than someone who does not believe in God. That's just the way it works out, practically. There is none, verse 3, that doeth good. Oh wait, but a Christian does good because he believes in God. He believes that he's accountable to God. He believes God rewarded for being good and doing good. Well, verse 4, have all the works of iniquity well, no, we don't do iniquity as Christians. Now, I'll stop there by telling you this and reminding you that a Christian who believes in God is quite the opposite of those who don't believe in God. What hospital is named after an atheist? Is there a hospital named after an atheist? Who donates more to charity, Christians or atheists? When there's a natural disaster, who's first to show up? Christian organizations or atheistic organizations? Can you tell me? Atheists of America show up with food trucks, with water trucks. Who shows up first? Oh, people like uh, Franklin Graham's ministry and others, they show up first. Churches, 
they travel, they donate time and their skills, and they try to help as much as they can. Every every hurricane, every tornado, Hurricane Katrina, everything else, Hurricane Harvey, all those Christians always show up to help. Where's the atheist? Now, we don't hate atheists. Nobody should hate an atheist. We're just making a contrast of what the Bible says. A Christian is quite the opposite from an atheist. And um, the fool has heart trouble, would you say? Now, let me close with this one illustration. There is an actress who is very well known, no need to know her name, but for 73 years of her long life, she acted in Hollywood. 12 Academy Award nominations for Best Actress in Film, and she holds the record for four Academy Awards for Best Actress. Now, when she had an interview with a TV program in 1973, so this is kind of old, this, this woman, she's not even alive yet, um, she agrees, she agrees with Christian principles, so she's not hateful or aggressive against Christianity, and she thought, she thought highly of Jesus Christ, but she says she has no personal religious beliefs. Quote, quote, I'm an atheist, and that's it. I believe there's nothing we can know except that we should be kind to each other and do what we can for other people. You know what that woman is? She's moral. She may not be a true atheist, but she's missed the mark, hasn't she? She's missed the mark. She says she's an atheist, but yet she's moral. She does good. She could be the exception, but I will stay further. There's a lot of atheists who try to do good things. But it doesn't mean that you're right with God. You have to be saved to be right with God. All right, so the fool that's in his heart, there is no God. And so we would say to close that uh, don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. Have faith in God instead. Now, you don't have to see everything as far as evidence to believe in God. You have to have some faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. It's not just God has to give you everything you need to know to believe. He doesn't have to, but he already did by creation. Okay, any questions? Okay, who is tired this morning? You know, the churches that we were in, my mother-in-law's church and um, my daughter's church, both of them are quite different. Both of them are the same, but they're different. And uh, a lot of people, they just come to church because it is expected of them to come to church. And I look around at churches there, and I wonder if they are there while they're there. I do wonder about us if we're here while we're here. So I don't know what your schedule is like. I don't know what you've been doing yesterday or this week. But I do know that sometimes it's good for us to express some gladness that we're in church. It's looking like, oh man, this is work. This is a work-related meeting. Let's take a short break.